Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. All right, are we ready this morning? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to gather in your name this morning. There is no other name that is greater or higher than your name. We're not here in the name of a denomination. We're not here in the name of a religion. We're here because of relationship. We thank you that you're our Father, that we have been born of you. And I thank you that you have put your DNA in us. And it's no longer I that liveth, but a Christ that lives inside of me. And everywhere I go, I go with the authority, the power, and the love that passes all understanding. Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to open up your wisdom and your logic. And Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. And we ask that you do what you do best. Open the eyes of our understanding. May that information that we've had over the years turn into revelation so we can be transformed on the inside. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. All right, uh, turn with me to the book of Psalms 78. Psalms 78, we're continuing a series that we started several weeks ago on uh, taking the limits off of God. There's a lot of things that we do in life and have done in life that have limited God. This one scripture kind of has set the stage uh, for this uh, series that we're in. And let's just read it real quick. It says, Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. What we need to understand is that this is talking in reference to the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt, as they came out of bondage, and we understand that we're not going to go through all that process again about coming out of uh, Egypt and going through the Passover and being led by the the, the cloud by day and the pillar cloud by I mean the cl- pillar cloud by day and the fire by night and being go- going through the Red Sea and coming to Mount Sinai and that whole process. But in that process, they limited God when they went out into the desert for forty years. They didn't believe God. The scripture says they had an evil heart of unbelief. And what we're addressing with this series is the very, uh, very issue of belief and why we don't believe what we need to believe. And there's three, three things we're talking about. Uh, let me just give them to you right off the bat. One is knowledge. The knowledge that you have or the knowledge you don't have, just like ignorance. Ignorance is a, a sign of stupidity. It's a sign of lack of knowledge. And a lot of people are just ignorant of what God's will is for them and what God's word, what God's knowledge. Just like I said earlier, if you had knowledge of how God saw you, you would see yourself different. If you had knowledge of what all God has done for you, you'd walk different, you'd believe different. You would be excited about your future, not scared of it. If you knew that God had already predestined your steps and all you needed to do was bring your body and soul in line and 
with what he'd predestined. And lot, as the scripture says, all things, everybody say all things, work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. But see, a lot of times we just live life according to what we have determined, not what God has determined. And when you live life according to what you determine, you get what you want. If you want to be poor, you can be poor. If you want to be happy, you can be happy. If you want to be sad and full of fear, guess what? You can be sad and full of fear. If you want to be miserable, God is all-powerful and loves you so much, He's going to let you have what you want. But if you don't want to be miserable, and if you want the joy of the Lord in your life, if you want to live your life because of the person that created you, see, I, I tell you what, once you understand this principle, it'll change the way you think. And the principle is this, that I don't go to somebody, I don't go to the person using something to ask them, you know, what the purpose of what they're using is. I go to the person that made it and find out what the... What the inventor determined it was going to be see God is our creator he is the one that has created us and he knows what purpose we were created for so why would I go to a neighbor to find out why I was created why would I go to a person that doesn't know why they were created and ask why well what am I supposed to do in life I don't know I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life say it doesn't work but if I go to the person who knows why I was created and has purpose for me and planned for me, and just not created me, but given me gifts and power, and provided a path for me to run. The scripture says, run the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It says, run the race set before us. See, there's a race that is set before us, but we don't run that race because we don't have knowledge that there is one. We just live, most people, I'm going to say this out loud, most people live their life out of default. Whatever just whatever comes their way, they deal with it, and their life is determined on the outcome of how they deal with it. Instead of subduing and taking charge and determining what's going to happen in your life, see, the, the, give you an example. Uh, if a person, I'll just it just came to my mind, so you have to forgive me if you don't want to be embarrassed. But if you want to be a pharmacist, you got to go to pharmacy school. There's one other way to deal, be a drug dealer <laughs> without going to pharmacy school. <laughs> There's a lot of those in a university of the experience. It's called jail. That's where they all gather together and share their wisdom and knowledge and increase in learning. But they got to go through jail. That's what I'm saying. They, got, they learn more about drug dealing. See, they're just beginners. And they decide they won't be an expert, so they go to jail and then find out how to, everybody else failed to do it, and then they come out and fail again. How did I get off on that? Anyway, but see, see if you want to accomplish something, if you, if you want to know what our highway patrolman in the back is going, amen, amen, brother. But see, if, if, if you know, if you find out from your father why you're placed here on earth, and the gift, see, there's gifts that's been given you that's natural, that he placed in you from birth and from conception. And before that, this is, it's like God said, I need one of my children to be full of power that has faith in me, that has the gift of healing. So when they touch people, they get healed. Okay, I'm going to put, I'm going to put gay on the planet for that. 
And so gay has a gift of healing. You see what I'm saying? It just, that's God. And that's, that's the beauty of why the church needs to come together on a regular basis. Because you've got a gift that we need to help us run the race that's set before us. I've got a gift that you need. Everybody in here, God has gifted, but we don't know that because we don't have the knowledge of that. But I, that's why you're here this morning, is so you can hear a word that tells you you've got purpose, you've got reason, and it's more than just you living life out of default. I've said this for years, and I'm going to say it again. And I, please, if you think this is rude, okay. I can't control what you think, but it's true. Listen, God's plan for you is much greater than just living, paying your bills, or trying to, and dying. Yep. If that's all you plan on doing, go ahead and... I didn't say that last word. You filled in the blank. You can't blame me for it. If all your life is just... Huh, There's more to life. No wonder we're not walking in victory. No wonder we're not walking with purpose and calling. No wonder we don't have enough to be a blessing outside of ourselves. Most people in the body of Christ are still focused on their need and not beyond themselves. I got one thing. Listen, it's real simple. If you want your need to be in reality... You know what I mean by reality? If you want your rea the need to be met in reality, actually substantial, you quit thinking about your need and you start thinking about others' need and you bless them and you make... I tell you, you find three people, find two people, find one person to pour your life into and help them be successful in the process. You'll become successful yourself. It's that simple. Oh, well, I don't have enough friends in my... Let me show I don't have a lot of friends in my life, so... You want more friends in your life? Find one person to be a friend to. And then teach them how to have friends. And how did you, how'd that happen? You, you teach them to go find one person. Now you've got a group of people. Now you've got three people you can be friends with. But it starts with you. It starts with you. You see what I'm saying? Instead of just living life out of default, we're living life out of purpose. But what good are, what's good purpose without principles? It's one thing to have purpose. It's another thing to have principles. You never let purpose get ahead of principles. Principles will keep you. Purpose will drive you. Did you hear that? Principles will keep you. Purpose will cause you to get up in the morning. You know, do you get excited when you wake up in the morning? Or is this the last thing you want to do is wake up? Man, if you got purpose, oh, I, just hit, I think I hit everybody in here on that one. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with today I had purpose listen I got up early because I was excited you know why I got purpose I had a word of the Lord I want to share man I got up early didn't have a problem uh uh didn't need the coffee took it anyway you know but, but I had purpose I had a reason to live this. I had a reason to breathe in and have air go in my lungs because I knew I was going to have to have air to get it out you see and so I don't know where I'm getting off on all this so I was just going over my notes it said, uh, there's three things that we're talking about in this series. Knowledge is one thing, vision is another, and alignment is another. These three things 
A lack of knowledge. Let me just read the list here. It says ignorance to knowledge. Wrong doctrine. Remember us talking about wrong doctrine? How the, the, the disciples were warned about the leaven of the Pharisees. And because they had a hard heart that was based in all their life, all they had heard was the doctrine of the Pharisees, they thought the words of wisdom that Jesus gave them was about what they didn't do right. Now, have you ever been to church and felt like the pastor was telling you what you didn't do right? Well, yeah, that's because our heart is not receiving the words of Jesus, even though they're coming from Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It's not, it wasn't what they didn't do right. He was just giving them advice to, that you need to change your doctrine. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. That's the knowledge of the Pharisees. The knowledge of the Pharisees, listen to the knowledge of the Pharisees. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 2, it says that they had a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge of being ignorant of God's righteousness. They seek to establish their own. Man, isn't that something? That's powerful. But they were ignorant of God's righteousness or the knowledge of God's righteousness. They still had a zeal for God. You ever seen a lot of people in church? They, they have a zeal for God, but they're still in bondage. But they have zeal for God, but not according to the right knowledge. The right knowledge will determine the outcome. The way you live and what you're experiencing is the is is a result of the knowledge you have. We've got to understand this. What you do and what you believe and the way you are is a result of what you know. If you want something you never had, you've got to do something you've never done. And you've done what you've done because of what you know. And I know people that don't change what they know and they live that way all their life. And you know what they do? They wish they had something different. If you want something different, you've got to change what you know. <laughs> You have to get information that is going to become revelation in your life so you can be transformed on the inside. Listen, going to church, well, most churches is about changing on the outside. I, here at the river, we don't care what you look like on the outside. We don't care how you dress as long as you dress. We draw a line somewhere. I mean, wear your ball cap. It doesn't bother me. Make sure no one's in here wear the ball cap. Okay, no one's wearing Wear your beanie. That's good. I like that. I Wayne, Wayne didn't wear his beanie one week, and I didn't recognize him. I'm serious. I thought you was a new visitor, just not a multi-visitor visitor. But it's like, oh, no, no, it's just Wayne without his beanie. Yeah, anyway, you know, wear what you want to wear. Like I said, just wear something, Okay. But it's not about what you do on the outside. It's about who you are on the inside. If, if the, the Bible says out of your heart will flow the issues of life. Out of your heart. And if you're miserable on the inside of your life, on the inside of your heart, you're going to be miserable on the outside. And the people you hang around, you're going to make them miserable. Because you want them to be just like you. And you'll go out of your way even to make them more miserable so you feel better than them. Is that not truth? You know that's truth. You know why you pick out everybody else's faults? <coughs> to make yourself look better. That's the only reason. We get into this when we talk about heart physics on Wednesday night. The real reason why you do what you do. 
The scripture says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, rightly dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it goes on. And last thing it says, the thought and the intent. The why you think what you think. And when you start paying attention to the why you think, some of us hadn't even thought about why we th the, the what we think about. That's another thing. You've got to control your thoughts. You've got to control what comes in. You can't listen to negative stuff. We had the little skit last week with, with, with um, Christina. Listen to one thing on this side. Listen to another thing on this side. Listen to one thing on this side. Listen to one thing on this side. Listen. She didn't get nowhere. Nope. Double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. You've got to be firmly founded in the Word. If you're committed to this Word, you need to hear this Word. You need to eat this Word. And just not this Word, but the right Word. This is the Word of God, but not all of this Word is beneficial to you. There's words that Satan said that's recorded in here. Do you understand that? Yeah. There's old covenant principles in here that don't apply to new covenant believers. All right? It, let, me, let me explain it because some people may be going, oh, he's saying the Bible's not for... I'm listening. This, okay, let me prove my point. In the old covenant, God said, kill his enemies. That's what the Word of God says. Bless God. Let's go do it. We'd like to get them shotguns. No. <laughs> Wonder what we're using for targets. <laughs> anyway. But in New Covenant, he says, love his enemies. Well, that's the word of God. Which word are you going to pick? See, there was a word for one time under the Old Covenant, but there's now a new word of God. There's a word that guides us under the new covenant. The book of Romans chapter 10, I love what it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, there's a salvation scripture of scriptures. But it goes on and said, How beautiful are our feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Because the hearing of this gospel will cause you to hear. That word of the gospel will, of peace will cause you to hear. Because it says, hearing, it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word what word the word of the gospel of peace so if you've never heard the gospel of peace you don't have the faith or the hearing that's going to generate a faith that's going to cause you to go tell somebody how peaceful God is I tell you most people don't like God or don't believe in God or say there's not a God because of religion and I don't blame them I'm on that bandwagon if you judge my God according to religion, I don't want to serve Him either. But my God is not based on man's form of religion. My God is based on relationship. He's my Father. And if you know your Father, you know He didn't do what the world says He did. He's a, he's a, in the Old Covenant, He was God. In the New Covenant, He's Father. Man, that's powerful. See, that's just knowledge. And you need to have revelation. But most people are ignorant. Most people in the body of Christ have old covenant knowledge of God, not new covenant knowledge of God. And it's the new covenant knowledge of God that we're supposed to live in. Man, this, I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm just doing an introduction. I've got to get on with this. Anyway, knowledge is the first thing, but within knowledge there's being ignorant uh, of, of the knowledge. A wrong doctrine, some of us have bad teachings that don't magnify God, they demagnify God. They make Him smaller than He is. Well, God doesn't do that back, He did that back then, but He doesn't do it now. I got news for you, 
He hadn't stopped doing anything. I mean, He's God. I understand? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. He told us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen? All right. The other thing was that um, uh, traditions. We hadn't talked about this one much, but traditions will hinder the power of God. Matter of fact, the Scripture literally says, Beware that the traditions of men make the Word of God of no effect. But see, traditions are a form of, traditions are practices based on knowledge. Do you see how that is? It's knowledge that's been around long enough that they have made a practice out of it, and now they have passed it on to their children, and it has become a tradition. So, if it's an old knowledge that's not applicable to new covenant, and it's tradition, and they bring that tradition into the new covenant, that tradition makes the word of the new covenant of no effect. Do you see that? A lot of us have lived our life and tried to live our relationship with our Father God because this is what, and I'm gonna, I love my grandfather. I'm not saying anything against loving your grandfather. But some of us have lived our life according to what our grandfather believed because our grandfather believed what his grandfather believed. And there was a series of traditions that were developed in a family lineage that we carry on even though we're now in the new covenant trying to walk in reality and power and strength those traditions make the word of God of no effect do you see that sometimes you have to look at the tradition you're following to see if it's applicable according to the new covenant and then have the guts then have the guts to step out of that tradition and make a difference for your grandchildren. Or else you're just going to pass on what didn't work for you. And I'm not about passing on the stuff that didn't work for me. When Joy and I got married, uh, my mom and dad were divorced. Her mom and dad were divorced. Good people, love our moms and dads. That's not an issue. But we sat there and said, well, what traditions in your family? You know how you do that. Well, who's Chris- what Christmas? Or- How'd you do your Christmas? How- you know? And we said, well, are we going to do both? Are we going to do one? And-, and we looked at each other and I said, honey, I said, the traditions that my family raised me in didn't work for them. And the traditions that your family did didn't work for them. So why don't we just set all those traditions aside and come up with what, what we want to do the way we want to start our family and make a difference for our children. And so we started a new tradition by breaking old traditions. That's my tradition. My tradition is to break old traditions. And you wonder why I'm... No, it's not rebellious. Don't say that. It's special. All right. All right. I'm special. I'm special. Is that what you call that? I'm special? John the Baptist was special. Guess what? He had to break tradition. Ooh. John the Baptist had to do something that no one else had ever done to introduce and prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Are you preparing for the coming of the Word of God in your family by breaking tradition? Mm, mm, mm. That's good preaching. I like that. I'm going to get this tape. The fourth thing in the, in the subject of knowledge, <laughs> in the subject, you, you record them for us, right? 
The subject of knowledge, a fourth thing, uh, was not hearing. Not hearing, but being told. Uh, you can accumulate all the, all the knowledge you want, but until you hear it. I, I love what it says in the book of 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, he said this. He said, he said I worry that you be deceived as Eve was deceived from the simplicity that is in Christ. What it's saying is that, that, the, that, that it's not necessarily saying that Christ is simple, but it's the one, Christ is the one thing that we need to focus on. But Eve was deceived. How was Eve deceived? If you hadn't seen this, you need to see this. How was Eve deceived in the garden? It is amazing that the Apostle Paul, talking to the church at Corinth, would bring up something that was way back in the book of Genesis. Because she was deceived in the garden. You know why she was deceived in the garden? Here's what she said. The serpent asked Eve. Uh, he said, well, what did God say? And, and she said, God said that we're not supposed to touch the fruit, lest we die. Is that what God said? No. What did God say? God said, don't eat it, lest you die. Well, why did she say not to touch it, lest we die? Because she was told that's what God said. And there's some people in here, every one of us have, has tried to live our life according to what we were told instead of what we've heard. See, Adam heard from God that, we were not, that they were not supposed to eat the tree. And Eve was still a rib. She hadn't even been created yet. And so when she was created, Adam told Eve what God said, but I think he added to it, to keep her from even eating it, he said, don't even touch it, at least we die. Because she never heard from God, she was told what God said. Does that sound like church? Does that sound like most people's mindset in church? Oh, we're going to, hopefully the pastor has ascended into the Mount Sinai and heard the law of God and come down and shared with us the mere people what God said. Well, guess what? He brought the Ten Commandments down. Moses brought the Ten Commandments out of Mount Sinai. He gave it to the people and they broke them. He didn't. They did. You know why he didn't? Because he heard them from God. But they didn't. They heard them from a preacher. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to come here and be told the word. I want you to come here and hear God. Because just to be one scripture, that's why I use so many, because just one of them hopefully will it'll get you. And if you hear God's word one time, it will change your mind. Most people don't believe because all they've ever been was been told the word instead of hearing it. Oh, don't come here to be told. Don't come here to be told. Come here to hear. Hear God. Hear God's knowledge because when you hear His knowledge, it's yours. It's yours. Alright? So that was the first thing. Then the, the second thing we're after is vision. Uh, if you don't have the right vision, it will, it will limit God. And a lot of times we don't have any vision. That's why I'm saying living life out of default. Well, what do you want to do in life? Well, whatever, I don't know. I'm come, most people struggle with this coming out of high school. Well, what school are you going to? I don't know. I don't know what school I'm going to do. 
and just out of default you'll just go somewhere and then out of default you'll pick a major and spend all that money and get into debt and out of default you'll have to go get a job that pays for that debt and you're still not living in your purpose no wonder we're not happy because we're just done and out of default we need to get in tune with our creator to find out why my father was had birthed me into this planet so i can be effective i want to live an effective life i don't care what dollar value it is just be effective make an impact live out a purpose with principles Man, I tell you what, it, there's people going after purpose and they lose their principles. You know what I'm saying? You can't do that. You've got to have principles. got to have principles. Remember, principles will keep you. Purpose will drive you. Okay? That's good. You need to write that down. If you hadn't written anything down, you've got to write that down. Vision is important. We've talked about it for years, about having the right vision. The Scripture says people perish for lack of knowledge. One version says vision. You know why? Because vision and knowledge are the same thing. You've got to have a vision. The, the Scripture says people perish. It means they, they are destroyed. Uh, they, another version says they cast off restraints because they don't have a vision. They don't have a clear mental picture. That's the definition of vision, is a clear mental picture. So you, it, what it's saying is if you don't have a clear mental picture, you're just going to live life with no restraint. And that sounds like the world. That sounds like most people we know in life. They just There's no restraint. They sleep when they want to sleep. They go to bed when they want to go to bed. They eat what they want to eat. They spend money. They go into debt. They just do what they want to do. Because I want to do it. There's no restraint. I love the analogy of water being thrown into a freezer. And I use this all the time because it's, it's such a cool, <laughs> cold, freezing. Never mind. It's such a... It's an easy example to understand, but you can take a cup of water, open up your freezer, and throw it in the freezer. What are you going to get? Ice. Can you use it? No. Is it going to freeze? Yes. So you're going to get what the circumstances create, ice. But if you take that same cup of water, put it in a little tray with little dividers in it, stick it in the top shelf so nothing else gets on it, and in a couple hours you pull it out and take it. What, what do you have? You have ice cubes. Did the water freeze? Yeah. Was it in restraints? Yes. And now you can use those ice cubes to have a party. You can do something with those ice cubes. You can bring refreshment. You can, you can keep things cold. You can make things enjoyable. Because though you were willing to put that ice or that water in restraint until it became a cube and usable. And... That's why I think if a people with a vision, so if people without a vision cast off restraint, people with a vision are willing to set themselves into restraints willingly because they got purpose. I want to be part of God's party. You see what I'm saying? So I'm willing not to do the things I used to do. Trust me, four years in the Marine Corps, I've done some things I don't want to do anymore. The key is I don't want to do them because I've got a bigger want to. You will usually do in life what you want to do. You just need to change your want to. And the Word of God will help you change your want to because you're going to have understanding, because of knowledge you'll have understanding. You'll understand why you're not supposed to have, why men are not supposed to have sex with men. You know, you'll understand that, that that's the way you can break, I mean, you can cause diseases. You can, you can contaminate your whole family through generations. If you, it, it, there's wisdom why God's Word says don't do certain things. 
there's a reason why some things are abomination. It's because it can affect so many people. And it's bad for you. It's harmful to you. It's not healthy. It's not the way nature, God made nature to work. Well, God just doesn't. No, no, no. He just, listen, He wants you to live long. He doesn't want you walking around infected. That, listen, I, you need to understand, you, there's a reason God don't want you to commit fornication. It's not because he, well, he don't understand. I'm a teenager. No, there's a reason. He knows you're going to be a teenager someday. There's a reason why. Because he knows. Listen, listen, I'll just say it this way. That, that if, you're, if you're a virgin when you're married and, and, and you marry a virgin, and when you're married, you can have sex 25 times a day and never get a disease. You get tired, but you're never going to get a disease. You understand? Because it's pure. It's the way God intended it. Come on, you're adults. Get over it. You understand what I'm saying. And the church needs to talk about sex. Did I say that loud enough? That's the reason we got a problem with it in America is because the church was stupid about it and didn't talk about it, didn't give people knowledge. If we'd given people knowledge, they might have built up and strong to come against all that bad way of stuff. Okay, go on. Thank you. All right, I'm starting to get uncomfortable now. I'm getting a little hot up here. <laughs> got to have the right vision. So let's talk about that this morning as we're closing. <laughs> uh, let me go to, I'll just tell you what the third thing is, an alignment. We'll talk about alignment in the next couple weeks coming other than, than Palm Sunday and Easter, but alignment. Bringing yourself in alignment. So there's three things uh, that we're, the main things we're talking about. One is, is knowledge, the second one is vision, and the third one is alignment. Bringing your life into alignment. You can have all the knowledge and all the vision, but if you don't actually go to school and learn, if you don't actually put yourself into the freezer to be frozen, if you don't actually act out, if you're just a hearer and not a doer, God's limited in your life. You understand? You can come to church and hear all the greatest preaching, teaching, and worship, and, but if you don't actually walk it out, you're limiting the very knowledge and power of God in your life. I love what the Scripture says in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech ye. I love that. It says, I beg you by the mercy. So what's the motive? The, listen, not, it's not talking about fear. It's not talking about wrath, judgment. It says, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love what it says. Is it up on the board? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love this because it is in the renewing of your mind with the right knowledge that you're now able to present your body as a sacrifice and put it in restraints so you can, what's the key word? Prove, P-R-O-V-E, prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, your life is supposed to prove to the world. Okay, let me do it this way. 
Aren't you supposed to be, weren't you given power to be witnesses? The Holy Spirit came to empower us to be witnesses. What's a witness? Someone who proves. They prove by their actions and their testimony in their life the goodness of God. Yeah. You're supposed to be a proof. You're supposed to be evidence. You're supposed to be a witness of His goodness. And how do we do that? By renewing our mind. And because we can renew our mind and we have that strength on the inside, I now can bring my body in line with what the Word says. You can't bring your body in line. See, religion will tell you to stop what you're doing and do this and do that and not deal with the inside. Have you ever tried stopping something that you wanted to do? Guess what one? The wanted to do. The wanted to do will always win out over your willpower. Because when your willpower gets a little weak, your wanted to do is still strong. And you'll end up doing it, and you'll feel guilty. And pretty soon you'll quit going to church because I just can't overcome. Well, the secret is changing the way you think about what you want to do. You need to change your wanted to do's. I don't want to do it no more. I wanted to do something better. I want to do something different. I don't want to no more. I don't want to go to the places I used to go to because it's not good for my future. It's not good for my family. It's not good for my health. You understand what I'm saying? I try not to go to buffets no more. I really do. I try not to eat bluebell. Oh, but when we have company... Right? Right? Well, amen. I'll sacrifice for my neighbor. Eat that bluebell with them. I don't want to feel lonely, you know. But, but, you see, but see, I still want to. That's my problem. If I didn't want to, I wouldn't. I don't want to smoke cigarettes. So guess what? I don't. Are you going to go to hell for smoking cigarettes? No. Are you going to go to hell for drinking? No. Might get there quicker. But God loves you just the same. He's your father. He's your father. There's only one thing going to send you to hell. One thing. Unbelief in him. Unbelief. The rest is, I don't want to say immaterial, but the rest is depending on your knowledge and your understanding and how to apply it in your discipleship in your life. I tell you what, the relationship has been skewed by religion all, all the years of America. We need to get down to the relationship and forget religion because it's not about the traditions of men or the doctrine of the Pharisees. It's about this word of the new covenant being a part of your life on the inside, knowing that God is your Father. Real quickly, let's talk about three people. Let's talk about uh, Moses. Let's talk about Joshua, Mary, and Paul. That's actually four people. See, I can count. We'll pick up where we left, where we leave off. We'll pick this up next week. But you need to realize that Moses had an identity problem. When it talks about vision, we're also talking about identity. Vision. Just not vision on what to do. See, you'll never know what to do until you realize who you are. You understand? You won't know what to do. You won't have the right vision until you have the right of what to do until you have the right vision of who you are. I saw myself as a Marine before I ever went to boot camp. 
Because I had such a vision of me being a Marine, I went to boot camp. I went through the process, signed up everything, went to boot camp to put myself in alignment with becoming a Marine. Because I saw myself that way first. So what you do is in accordance to the way you see yourself. If you see yourself no good, guess what's going to happen? You're going to do no good. Don't raise your hand, but how many people in here are sinners saved by grace? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Everybody want to raise that hand. You're not a sinner saved by grace. What's the most natural thing for a sinner to do? The most natural thing for a sinner to do is sin. wonder why we have a problem with sinning in the church. So a man thinks in his mind, so is he. So if you think you're a sinner, and you see yourself as a sinner, what are you going to do? But if you see yourself as a child of God, if you see yourself knowing who your father is, oh, if you see yourself knowing that everything that pertains to life and God has already been given to you personally, you're going to walk with a different step. You're listening to a different drummer. You're listening to your creator. You're following his path, his direction, because you see yourself different. It does me no good. See, all, all churches are about religion. I shouldn't say all churches. All churchdoms are about is behavior modification. I'm not concerned with behavior modification. Behavior modification is you changing on the outside to fit some standard. That's what most counseling does. Just, I just wish he wouldn't do this. <laughs> and this person over here, I just wish she wouldn't do that. Usually marriage counseling is about, I just wish that person's behavior would line up the way I think it should be. Right? We're getting personal. It's not about behavior modification. See, but if a person sees himself the way God sees them, then they're going to treat people the way God treats them. Here's a little secret of living. You'll only treat people around you. Every one of you, you'll only treat. The people around you, you treat like you think God treats you. If you're mad at people, you think God is mad at you. If you don't believe in people, you don't believe God believes in you. Wow. Here's something. We're going, we're going to pick this up next week. What you need to understand is this. Abraham, the father of our faith, had to have faith in God. Let me just put it this way. We'll leave that alone. You not only need to have faith in God. See, everybody, most people in here have faith in God. Right? I'm not assuming that everybody does. But most people that go to church have faith in God. But they don't have faith in God in them. See, the children of Israel had faith in God, but not faith in God in them. Abraham, the father of our faith, had faith in God, but didn't believe that it was in him. The children of Israel were supposed to go into the promised land, but they didn't have faith in God in them to be victorious. A lot of people, oh yes, I believe in God, but I don't believe in God in me. Do you see that? And there's one thing to add to that, because it's not about you. See, not only do you have to have faith in God, you have to have faith in God in you, and you have to have faith in God in others.
See, I don't look at Frank in the natural. I see, I choose to see the God that's in Frank. Because if I look at Frank in the natural, you know what I'm saying, Frank? But I'm looking at, I'm looking at the faith in God in Frank. Because I know if I see the God, if Frank sees the God in him, and I see the God in him, oh, what are we going to get out of him? God! If I see the power that raised Christ from the dead in Frank, I'm going to honor him and I'm going to draw from his gift and it's going to affect my life and my gift's going to affect his life and we're going to be strong together as long as he comes to church and I can, I can experience that. But if we don't get together, we can't experience that kind of faith. That's why it says forsake not the gathering together. It's not just for attendance. It's so our gifts can be shared. You understand? We've got to acknowledge the God. In, I mean, I see the God in Israel and Whitney. Amen. Oh, come on. If you can't see that. See, so you got you got a husbands and wife. If you don't see the God in your wife, you're just going to look at the outside. But if you see the God inside your wife, oh, just see, Abraham had to see God in Sarah. He had to have faith that God was in Sarah so he could conceive his son. Man, that's good preaching right there. You need to think about that. Wives, you need to see God in your husband. It's easy to look at his faults and his failures. Matter of fact, he probably looks at him more than you do. Most people are their worst enemy. Amen? You are your worst enemy, most likely, right? right. Quit it! Don't look at your negatives. Look at your positives. It says your faith will be effective. Philemon 6 says, Your faith will be effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you, not the negatives. Quit looking at the negative. Change your thinking. Change your vision. Amen? Let's stand up. You've got to change your knowledge. You've got to change your vision. And you've got to step into alignment. And we're going to pick up where we left off this week and continue next week. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to open up your wisdom and your logic and, and actually do something about our life. I thank you that you're not concerned with behavior modification. You're concerned with internal transformation. And that when we're transformed on the inside, we'll be strong on the outside. May we learn how to be at rest and at peace and step back and retreat from our works and learn to live in your works so then now we fall in alignment with your works and do what you do, then we'll be strong and encouraged. Father, I thank you that we don't have to grow weary and discouraged because we know whose sons we are. We know who children we are because that keeps us, that keeps us in this world. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. You are the great teacher. And we continually ask that you do what you do best. Continue to teach us and prepare us and comfort us and guide us and direct us. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen.